Hey guys, it's Connor McDavid here, and you're listening to Brad and Avery Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master G coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to the Brad and Avery Hour, episode number 20. This is Brad Barco. I'm Avery Lewis McDougal, and we're joined by a special guest in studio, Brad. Tell people who this fine young man is right here in the middle. Yeah, this here is Ben <laughs> Williams. Uh, he's not only a, a member of Elite Edmonton, who we met on Friday, but he's a he will be an Olympic runner. Uh, mark my words, he'll be on the Olympic team. He's competing for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan, to represent uh, our great country. And uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And Ben, you run, you run 100 meters and 200 meters. So, also, people who don't know, what's your story, Ben? How did you get into sprinting? What's your background? For those who don't know about your background in the sport track and field. So my background is that I'm a Jamaican, so... My parents migrated to Canada like eight, few years ago. I moved right. to Canada in 20, 2010. And since then, it's been a journey for me. Track and field just exploded from there. My coach literally converted from being a jumper uh, <laughs> into a sprinter because yeah. you know, there's a lot of technicalities with long jump. But mm. I, once I entered the stage of sprinting, I enjoyed it. That's where my passion was, and I loved just moving fast on the track. Of course, being from Jamaica, track and field, it is, there's really, there's three sports. There's cricket, there's track and field, and there's football. It wasn't like growing up in Jamaica where even the high school championships are a national event to be a part of. What that like growing up? What is pretty interesting, as kids growing up, you just enjoy the sport. Like, I play cricket, I play, like, football, and I, we also run. So in the high school, coming up, we just, like, do it for fun. But then after a while, I realized that there was the championship. So we all slowly started aiming towards it. Yeah. Because it was pretty fun as a group. You travel, you spend the nights in the hotel, yeah. like you're there with your, your friends. You yeah. Know, you just enjoy <laughs> the sport. So that's what weird was that. So what, what was it like uh, coming to Canada? You know, you, you said in Jamaica you ate, breathed, and sleep sprinting, and you came over and uh, you noticed obviously a change in the weather, right? Yeah. We got snow here. How how was that? For, was it hard for you to get kind of climatized and 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 you know get back into running and sprinting and all all that, or did you have to start kind of indoors and work your way outside? Uh, when I first came it was in the winter for sure. It was in February, so then the doors of the airport opened up and I saw the white stuff falling. Yeah. <laughs> it was. First thing is like, like I want to see what this was. So went yeah. outside, despite the cold, it takes some in your hand, and then right. then it kicks in. This is really cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's quickly. <laughs> I want to go back to Jamaica. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't mind. It's just like the excitement of everything. Like the cold was the last thing on your mind. But then yeah. after a while, I realized that walking through snow that is like way past your ankles. You know? Yeah. yeah. Going to school is like wow, man. What the what a country. Yeah. <laughs> Shuffling it too, I'm sure you learned about. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> Fingers are frozen, you feel it in your toes, but, I mean, it was just part of the experience. Right. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about now leading up to the Olympics and, and kind of, what's your, what's your mindset going in to the Olympics? How do you stay focused? How do you, you know, how do you train yourself just to, this is my goal, I'm focused on this, and kind of block out that outside noise as in like nothing else matters but this is my goal. Uh, this year for me, I have created a motto for myself, go beyond the beyond. Wow. That means that you have your limitations, but you try to surpass your limitations to reach, not just aim for the stars, but aim beyond that. Right. And that's what I've been used to drive me. I focus 
into my training is just giving 110%, especially now in my base season. Uh, try to get as fit as I can, try to get as strong as I can, and just try to max out like all my abilities in training to see. Because mm-hmm. when you go on the track, it's like you can't do nothing. Right, that, that, right. That's it. It's either you're ready or you're not. <laughs> you're not ready, right? <laughs> so when the gun goes down the track, is the, the first one that, not necessarily the first one that leaves the block, but you want to leave the starting blocks pretty quick right. and execute your race all the way to the finish line. It's just you and that lean that is in front of you on the finish line. What was the first thing like your training camp? What was the first thought we trips teams had on track and field in this country? We have a long history of race sprinters like Don Bailey. Ben Johnson, Desai William, and now we're growing now. You have um, Akeem Hayes, now you have Aaron Brown now under the ground. What are you thoughts on getting track now? When we first got here, it's what it is now in 2018. Uh, I've seen a transition since I've gotten here where all the sprinters were there just like going fast. It started like 10 2, 10 3 when I just came. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like our generation wherein the sprinter starts making it faster and faster. Yeah. So going to nationals, the time starts dropping until I think it was. Uh, Andre has just hit that nine seconds and yeah, it's just yeah. like paved the way for everyone and everyone starts running faster and I just want to be a part of that whole mix running fast not just to be a part of a legacy but to recreate something there for like upcoming athletes because the last person that ever to run nine seconds apart from us right now is uh, Donovan Bailey's time yeah. and that's like a big Don't gap know. but to see like these guys now coming up uh breaking 10, running 9 seconds, it's, I'm honored to just be a part of all of this. And I want right. a piece of my, piece of the cake too, by running <laughs> sub-10 too. Right, right. right. Yes, so walk, walk us through, I mean, what, what's your mindset like when, right before that gun goes off? You're winding up, you're getting ready for a race, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're getting ready, you're kind of sizing up your opponents, I guess, so to speak, and, and all of a sudden that gun goes off and you're just, you're running. What's that, what's it like to just, Obviously, clearly, it's an adrenaline rush. But but what else goes on? For me, just naturally, I try not to get too excited. Reason that I get excited, my adrenaline goes up, and I burn a lot of energy. Okay. So what I do, I try to like keep calm and just relax. When I before I go into the blocks, I'll just try to keep myself relaxed and calm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll just like move around, do my own little thing, go into the block, clear my mind from everything, and then. I just release all my adrenaline and let my emotions like when the gun goes. What? Right. And I just react and just execute and do what I gotta do. By the time it's, it's a few seconds, right? Yeah. By the time you take two yeah. breaths and start, the, the race is done. And I'm sure for you it seems like a, a long time when you're running. And oh yeah. It's not, not a few seconds. It feels sometimes probably an hour. Okay. <laughs> it slows down sometimes, and I mean sometimes it's crazy how you slow down while you're running fast in your mind and you okay I'm actually doing this. And you're running and you're moving <laughs> mm-hmm. down the track, yeah. and you just cross the finish line. Of course, Brad mentioned you run, you run a 10.42. Like, you know, the big thing in track field, people always trying to get you know, under your 10 seconds, the 9.8, 9.7. Like, what's the thing, what's the thing people don't understand about track is how tough it is to get that speed? Because in some 20 years, 25 years, we've gone from 9.84 being the pinnacle to now 9.59. It's not easy just like, I realize, even for me, just running fast, breaking 11 seconds, taking your time mm-hmm. down just by being dedicated to train, just showing up, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get the results. But then you reach to a point, like where I'm at right now, it's like you have to be more disciplined. You have to more, be more strict to your schedule and your yes. routine. You have to make sure that you sleep, you eat properly, you exercise, you stretch and make sure that you're on top of all your appointments and all yeah. that kind of stuff. You see your doctor, you see your physio, you see your massage therapist. And then all of that plays a factor. 
So technically, like people like me, you reach to a point you just need a strong support system, right? Mm-hmm. A strong, solid foundation that will like propel you forward to experience greatness. And yeah, any yeah, time you're in Canada, who's been your biggest support system in your in, in, time in, in, in Canada? Who's been your coaches? Who's been your family? Who's been the biggest rock for your success here in Canada so far? Uh, my family and especially my coach, he has been there every step of the way to guide me. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I learned as a person individually, I learned it based on my coaching through track and field. And I realized it's just, it's not just a sport in general, but it's like a life application, like being disciplined. 100%. And when I practice that, my training gets way better. Like mm-hmm. I go into training, I'm focused on getting the training done. And I just take it one step at a time, work my way through it because I have a goal. And my goal is work towards the 2020 Olympics. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, off camera, you take pieces from Donovan Bailey. You take pieces from from all these all these greats. So, I mean, wh- when you're when you're sprinting, do you watch video of yourself or even of you know Donovan Bailey and, and just hey, I should try that or I need to do this or let's try to implement this in my in my style or in my race and maybe it'll make me better. I, I look at all sprinters, you know, that has, you know, they're doing better than me. Right. I would give them the respect on honor where honor is due. But when I look at them, I, I look at them in a way where I can take from them and apply to myself to make me that much of a better sprinter. So I look at guys like Usain Bolt, Asaka Paul. Mm-hmm. I look at uh, Ben Johnson that has his explosive start. And when I look at these guys, I take away something from them and try to create something for myself, which I can use in the sport. We have to get that advantage. Yeah. You mentioned Tokyo. You know, you mentioned um, the Olympics. Now, is it tough some days, you know, just focusing, you know, just focusing on what's going on right now before that? Because I'm sure you're thinking, my, oh, you know, the big game, really, you know, it, it is two years away. But I can't be thinking that far ahead. I got to focus on, you know, the world's first and the, you know, the Canadian trial before I get really get focused on, on Tokyo too much year end. Yeah. I have to take it one step at a time. It can be very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The first week of training, your body's sore. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you walk around, you can hardly go up the steps. But if you, for me, I take it one step at a time. So I'm looking at my first indoor meet and see mm-hmm. how I'm going to perform there and see how the progress is. Then I take it to the next meet. Yeah. And I, even though I have these long-term goals, I set up the shorter-term goals and I hit those targets. And every time I hit those targets, it makes me closer and closer to the big goal. Right. So that's how I do it. Because if I think about Olympics... It can be very stressful in the mind, and it can put on a, it can make it overwhelm very easily. You know, sprinting has always been one of my favorite sports to watch in the Olympics. Is there a difference, or maybe walk us through the difference between, or do you notice the difference between indoor sprinting and, of course, sprinting outside, maybe in a, in a bigger arena come Olympic time? Is there maybe a difference in, you know, I don't know if the wind affects, you know, you and your back or. Or whatever. Is there a major difference there? There is a big difference. Because indoors is just only 60 meters. Mm-hmm. So by the gun goes bang, it's like six seconds <laughs> on the track, it's over. If, yeah. you, if you blink, you may miss the race. <laughs> that's, that's just how fast the 60 meters is. Like if you don't pay attention, be like, what? The guys are already it's crossing over. the finish line. <laughs> yeah. For the 100, is a little bit longer. You, you, have, you get to enjoy speed a little bit more right. um there's a wind factor too when it comes down to outdoor the weather plays a big factor too as well i do enjoy indoor sprinting because you don't have all of that restrictions it's right. just you and the track and your speed right it's all what yeah. you can do yeah. Uh, yeah 
I mean, it was last year you bought records in Alberta for the past four years. For a little bit, you know, still growing your record now in your back pocket now, being able to for the past four years sprint in the province of Alberta. I had a 40 meter sprint. That was just a test. You know, just going there to see what I can do when they're testing. And then I realized, like, hey, you just set in Alberta 40 meter oh, record. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> no, let's try to break it again. Let's do so, it. Yeah. So for me, at that time, it was just, just enjoying just being fast. Yeah. And sometimes that's what makes it easy. It's just, just enjoy just running and just don't worry about what's going to happen. It's just like, just enjoy the moment. And that's what I was doing when that happened. So if you can, if you can race against anybody past or present, who would it be? Hmm. Interesting. I would, I would want to challenge Ben Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so that I can get a close up just to see how he yeah. starts it. So I'm just going to try to figure that out. Um, Present uh, Asafa Poro, yeah, okay. just just to see like how he would execute his race, and I mean it's it's pretty amazing just to see all those guys do their their craft, do their art, like even just watching them do it, it's just just amazing. Awesome. Hey, well tell tell our audience where to find you on social media, uh, and and as well, are you are you still collecting donations for your your Olympic run as yes, well? Um, uh, tell us a bit about that. Um, I still I'm collecting donations and I'm doing a little bit of fundraising uh, just to help me on this Olympic journey towards 2020. Um, my social media is uh, Big Ben uh, 2020 underscore. Okay. Uh, you can find me there and the logo for myself that's created is, is just Big Ben and uh, my name on uh, Facebook is Benjamin Williams. You'll see me there. You can't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> um, support is what I look forward to because it makes it easier training regimen that I'm under uh, six you know five to six hours a day five days a week twice a day it's, it's pretty intense uh, balancing that will work and all of that stuff but I mean as an athlete I have to be disciplined you know, whether or not it mm-hmm. comes but I really do look forward to support uh, on the financial side of things and sometimes even through products and services I try to bring together a team that will help me you know build that foundation and propel me towards 2020 Olympics, so that's where it's at right now. Cool, awesome. Thank you, Ben. I have another question for you now, Ben. Another question. All right, what are we going to ask you? You mentioned past and present, guys. In terms of race for a long time, how long do we want to race for? You know, we see now, it's also running. You mentioned that the guys who are running long. We've seen um, Kim Collins, he's running for at yeah. age three. What's your goal to run to longevity? Longevity? Yeah. I, I've, what is your I've been thinking about that, and based on my base, I want to prepare myself to hold my times. Uh, I think about like training year after year so that whenever I run a time, I can hold it. Like Asafa Poa. Mm. I mean, for him, he's very consistent, yeah. 100 meter runner when it comes mm. down to running times. Uh, Usain Bolt is just consistent when it comes down to executing at big championships. And those are things that I take away from myself. And for me as an athlete, I want to train so that I can hold my times. Right. So it just keeps getting better year after year, or at least be able to run just as fast as the previous year. I, I do have one more for you. Uh, what, what does it mean to be able to represent Canada at the Olympics and, and to be able to just, you know, th- this country has, has basically adopted you and, and really welcomed you and, and helped, you know, excel your spending career, I guess. Uh, so what does that mean for you to be able to wear the Maple Leaf? And- for me, it's a big honor. When I got here, every single Canadian gear that I have I keep like okay. a, lot of, a lot of people a lot of athletes donate theirs I keep mine because for me it's an achievement 
just mm-hmm. to be able to get that uniform, be a part of the team and say, hey, I represent Canada and you have that red and white flag holding up, it's it's a complete honor. It's something that I really, you know, I would I don't want to give up. Uh, it, I come from Jamaica and I see all those guys there. It is pretty tough there when it comes down to the competition. But here in Canada, you get that opportunity just to make an extra step. You know, just going beyond the beyond. It's, it's up to you. For me, I will take that opportunity just to see how far I can go. I'm just putting myself out there and just, hey, let's go. Welcome back. Part two of the Brad Avery Hour. Man, Avery, I am still mind-blown over that interview with Ben Williams. Uh, we wish him the best of luck mm. in his pursuit for the 2020 Olympics. Uh, my, my goodness, man, that was it was a first uh, track star on the show, and it was it was something to write home about for sure. Yeah. We're gonna remember that. Ben will be back. Um, such a, a great honor to have him on and, and to hear his stories and and how he preps for the Olympics. No, of course, yeah. Best of luck to Ben. And like you mentioned, like you give you a Jamaica one day and see how. So do I. But track and field in that country, like mm. fifty thousand fans go to watch high school track and field. That's, Fifty thousand people. That's incredible. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't even fathom it. Just like eighty-seven thousand in the states watch college football on Saturday. Yeah. I, I want to be at one of those too. Um, so speaking of sports, and uh, well, exhale, Oilers fans, at least a little bit. Darnell Lewis is a member of your Edmonton Oilers for two more seasons, and. Uh, uh, not actually a, a favorable contract for both sides, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, $6.4 million over the two years. Yeah, that's correct. Um, for, for Darnell Norris, obviously it helps the defense, and he's back. Um, still that hole with Andre Secker, as we talked last week. But um, they finally get this over. Maybe, I, I believe, um, from what I've seen some on Twitter or Instagram today, uh, Darnell's flying to Edmonton. Um, this week, as Avery picks his eyeball right yeah, there on the camera, lens. Um, so he doesn't go blind, we're okay. Uh, are you good? You okay? No, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and apparently the Edmonton are down early in this hockey game today against Calgary Flames preseason. Um, and Miko Koskinen, the Oilers' $2.3 million backup goaltender, well, he's not looking good. First one shot on goal. And one goal, and they're already down one nothing against Calgary. Well, appears they tied, they tied the game up now, but you know what? Hey, it's preseason. I'm not going to scream yet about that happening before the um, season starts. So, first preseason game of the year for the Oilers. Oh, well, it happens. Now, regular season, different story. <laughs> uh, yeah, preseason don't count. Uh, we, we've seen the Cleveland Browns go 4-0 in preseason. We know how the season starts. Exactly. So, it, anything can happen. Let's, let's all exhale and breathe for a minute. The Oilers <laughs> are... I but you know what I, I I still have faith in this Oilers team. I I'm still I still got I'm I'm not you know throwing in the towel yet. Andre Secker is out. Everybody's panicking. I, I, if Cam Talbot returns to the Cam Talbot we seen when they made the Cup run or or the Western Conference Final against Anaheim. The second round. The second round. I I think I think the Oilers will be okay. Cam Talbot needs to be sharp and sharp often. This offensive group needs to come together and click, and I think they will be okay. They need more from guys like Ryan Newton Hopkins. They're going to need a major contribution and a major step up from guys like Ty Ratty. 
I'd be very interested to see what guys like Kyle Brozniak bring to the table. Tobias Reeder, who the Oilers are very familiar with, drafted both these guys, sent them away, come back now. They're a little more mature, a little more veteranized than than Tobias Reeder and Brozniak. So I'm excited about Kyle Brozniak. I think think he adds, you know, a little more depth on the center position. He's not a first-line guy. He's not going to play top-line minutes. He's he's, going to help your penalty kill. Possibly your power play, but as far as I'm concerned, this is a great move by Peter Schrell and the Edmonton Oilers to bring in Rodziak, a veteran guy like this, and to help out this core group in the Edmonton Oilers, no. and being so young. Yeah, no, of course, yeah, having a veteran guy is a big deal. We saw Rodziak spend time in St. Louis and in Minnesota his career. He'll be a great addition to the third, to the third and probably fourth line. But we have Image Reader as well. He was in Phoenix, or sorry, Arizona now, as we should call them. But to me, my concern is that have they done enough? And the problem is, too, is that they don't have the money to really do it anymore because it's all types of bad contract. You see in the division, you see Vegas get better with Patrick Reddy now in there. And Paul Statsky, you saw San Jose, Eric Carlson now, sure. We'll talk about yes. that as well. That's Cal- true. Yeah, major Calgary, team. James Neal, LA, even Kopelchuk. Every, every other team at the division has made a major upgrade to either the first or second line, except for Edmonton. Yeah, and you, you, don't forget there, too, uh, Elias went home and uh, Noah Hannafin and Calvin exactly, as well. Yeah. I think they're going to be, be upgrades. Now, this division, with the acquisition of Eric Carlson, guys, this division got a hell of a lot more scary. Yeah. If, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I am awfully worried playing the San Jose Sharks, or I hate to say this, playing the Calgary Flames. That defense in Calgary... Is it a lot better? They have questions, yes. Can they obtain or can they sustain? Probably not. We've seen Calgary do that in the past. I do think they've upgraded. That makes me cringe. I'm not a Flames fan, but we're trying to be biased here. And unbiased. Then, or unbiased, sorry. This Calgary Flames team is, is very good. Um, the Arizona Coyotes upgraded, I believe, with Alex Galchenyuk, a, a project, yeah. obviously. But I think the change of scenery is going to help him. I, I'm very intrigued. We talked about this off camera. What Ilya Kovalchuk can do in LA. Now, what I'm hearing, I, as you know, I got some very close sources in LA. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk looks to be in the best shape of his life, skating wise, physically wise. This guy, I think, is going to surprise some people and, and, and surprise the division. This guy, if you play fantasy hockey, this is a guy you're going to want to draft. I'm already eyeing him up. I know I see Barry Peterson on here. Hey, I, I'm taking him first of all. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but I am eyeing him up. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a big year. I, I, I suspect 30, 35 goals, especially on that top line. Andre Kopitar there. Um, Dustin Brown. You you look at um, also Tyler Tafoli and, and Tanner Pearson as well. That top six of the Kings is really good. You, we mentioned the Sharks. Didn't really lose anything up front. No, not still really. Still like Joe Thornton, Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle. They still got an Enrico. I, I consider him a lead. Maybe, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Martin Jones has been very good. Well, the better goalies in the league. And then, of course, when you can add a guy like Eric Carlson for next to nothing and put him with Brett Burns, oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. This Defense in San Jose is one of the best. Now, now, wait a minute here. 
there are some questions because they struggle in the playoffs. They can't win a playoff round. They, Doug Wilson's been snake bitten as a GM. All, all this other stuff. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on record right now. This team is gonna contend for a Stanley Cup yet again. Well, we said that about the Sharks. In now, don't get me wrong. Yes, Burns and Carlson. That's massive. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing about the Sharks as a Cup contender. In 2018, yep, 17, that, yeah. 16, 15, yep. 14, go on. So, go on. Absolutely, 100%. But, but I think on paper right now, Eric Carlson makes them better. Vegas, you look at another team, Vegas. When you lose a guy like David Perron, yeah. and you lose a guy like James Neal, like James Neal, you think production-wise they take a step back. But wait a minute. No, 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 no. George McPhee goes out here. He signs Paul Stastny, mm-hmm. which which I think is a very good fit there. And then obviously shocked the world because I didn't I heard rumblings of it. I didn't see this happening. And of course Max Pacioretty to the Vegas Golden Knights instantly becomes a top line player, instantly improves your team, and they gave up a haul. They Montreal made okay made away okay with this deal. Um, I think the Oilers are in a world of trouble. Yeah, no, it's gonna be. It will be tough to make. I, I said it again. All goes right. Second wild card spot, not first. The second wild card spot. I think they'll go. Right. And it's going to be by inches. Like it's not going to be. They're not going to win the second wild card spot by 18 points, by 10 points, by by five. We're talking a point or two, and potentially the final week of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what we're talking here now. We we mentioned this before and we looked at it before. This first month of the year is crucial and can really separate the Oilers from the rest of the pack here with their schedule. They have one of the most difficult opening month schedules I've seen in a long time with the Edmonton starting in Europe and then going to Boston. The New York Rangers, of course, in the rebuild, but they've had struggle in the past winning at MSG. Then you... Then you, of course, Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're at home to Boston. Then you play Chicago. It, it's a very tough schedule. They, this team's they got to start hot. Yeah, they got to start out fast. Yeah, and you're for what? Yeah, in what? Just over a month, you're playing in four different four different countries, four yeah. different countries, two different continents. And yeah, and you mentioned yeah the Rangers. They never be, they never beat the Rangers in New York. They've got Washington. they got Pittsburgh. And an afternoon game, nonetheless. Which, I don't know what this is. This team cannot win games that's up before 6 p.m. Yeah. They don't. They don't win games in the afternoon yeah. games. No matter where it is. Um, I want to... I don't know. This Darnell Nurse thing, I, I want to bring this up real quick. Is this a guy that this is two years and he's done? Is this the last two years we see a Darnell Nurse in Edmonton? Hopefully it is not, but with the way things are going right now, I don't know if I'm right now. I don't know if it wants to stick around because it's a team where, yes, there's been the promise of hope and championships, but you're not seeing the finish line. You're not seeing the actual finished product coming. Right. I, I have a I have a question for our fans here, whether Barry, Tony, Darcy, um, what at what point in the year do you give the what what's the leash like? For the fan base for Peter Torelli and Tom McClellan. I know Avery's not a big fan of Peter Torelli. He never has been. I'm I'm a fan of Todd McClellan. I think he should stick around. Now, what point do you guys give the boot 
to Peter Torelli and Todd McClellan this year? Is it a bad month, first month of the year? Is it a, is it a bad, you know, half of the year till the All-Star break? Let us know. I want to hear from you. I give them, I'll tell you this, I give them no more, no more than 20 games. If this team is completely and utterly out of it, 20 games, they clean house yet again. And they're not. you're not going to like this answer, but guess who takes over as GM at least until the end of the year? We talked about this earlier. Keith Gretzky. Yeah. And we, we mentioned it. We, we talked about this before. Is this an upgrade? Absolutely not. I'm still worried with Gretzky at the helm. So let him finish out the year, and, of course, you find a replacement if that happens. Uh, Todd McClellan, I, I, I'm a little – I'm a little more. I, I have, as Barry says, American Thanksgiving. Hey, I, I completely agree with you. In and around that chance. Now, yeah. now, if Todd McClellan goes, you have three new coaches here. Yes, you do. Who do you give? Does Juan Galson get the job? Does Trent Yanni get the job? Who do you give it to? I think Galson is one of the most recent head coaching experience in the league. I think mm-hmm. he's the immediate choice for interim head coach. Is he? My biggest worry here, guys, my scroll down, my biggest worry here, and and this has been my this has been my worry even uh, even even you know the entire off season is Todd McClellan will become the scapegoat. I don't think it's Todd McClellan this year. Todd McClellan coaches the team. I can only coach a team so far, and the team needs to perform. It's not all on Conor McDavid. This team needs to come together. Now, but the man constructing this team is Peter Farrell. Yes, it is. So I think he needs to go. I, I think I give a little bit longer leash to Todd McClellan, but I think if they start out bad, Farrell needs to go. And But, I mean, Barry, you, you bring up a very, very good point. Um, it, it will probably be the end of the year. I, 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 I highly doubt it being midseason. Now, the only thing I can see mid-season, Barry, is a coaching change. Uh, Todd McCall uh, out, somebody else in. We've seen that before. Um, I just, I, I don't know about a GM. I don't think I've ever seen, maybe I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I've never seen a GM by a mid-season. I'm sure you offhand. I can't recall it happened. Uh, I know it's happened before, but I can't recall offhand. So, so that is a good point, that maybe this could possibly be the last year of Peter Shirelli. I mean, of course, uh, we, we will wait and see for their for their sake and the Oilers' sake and all of our sakes and my sake that I bought season tickets, so I hope to God this team is better. Um, otherwise, I won't have season tickets for long. I'll tell you that much. Um, this team needs needs to be better. No, it has to be. And this is we saw on we saw on social media uh, yesterday. Jeff Bayette. At least for at least blogger, no least writer for various outlets right now. He writes from some faceoffcircle.ca. There's an issue where Jeff and Jeff made a very good point. How if you're Carmen David, it's gonna be hard to find the, the uh, a top three player in the league mm-hmm. and have guys like Carlson whenever have your have your team be a either on no, no trade list or a non-starter for a place going to. Yeah, and a lot of fans got mad at that. And the thing is, too, what do you get mad about? Jeff is right. Like that, the fact that year four of McDavid and his team has regressed, that's terrible. 100%. If you're a free agent, 
you've seen the management, if you're a free agent, is Edmonton a place you want to go to after seeing what's gone on this past year? I don't think so. Even See, with Connor. Bob McKenzie brought it up, and Barry will remember this. I think, I think Barry and I had a, uh, a conversation about this. Bob McKenzie brought it up saying, any year with the Oilers or McDavid not in the playoffs is a hockey travesty. Yeah. It's an absolute crime. And I couldn't agree more. He absolutely nailed it on the head. What's going through your head if you're Connor McDavid? I mean, you got to be sitting here like, you got the best player in the world on your hands. In the palm of your hands, the the best player right now in the world outside, of course, number 99 himself. The, you And you have. This is your second generational player you've had in the history of your franchise. I'm, I'm not discounting Messier. I'm not discounting any of those guys. The second generational player in Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid. At least with Wayne Gretzky, they won five Stanley Cups. Or four with Wayne and one with Mark. Five Stanley Cups is an organization, though, in that time period. You get what I'm saying? Now, Connor McDavid's been here four seasons. Four. They made the playoffs once, not as the second round. You should be able to build a Stanley Cup caliber team around 97. You should. I can do it at NHL 19. You're telling me, bro, I can't do it? Come on. And, Come on. And to me, the Taylor Hall thing, I'm, to me, Taylor Hall should never have been dealt. And the fact that he went on to become the MVP of the league just two seasons later was even worse. And the fact that this team is... And I think there is a... I don't, I don't want to say there's ignorance, but there is a sense of not, not, not understanding that the rest of the league sees him to the laughing stock extent. Because you saw the interview with Bob Nicholson and Chiarelli. How Nicholson said, oh, teams love trading with, with Pete. Yeah, to fleece you. Like, <laughs> that's the reason why I like trading with you guys. Plain, to rob plain, you blind. Plain, plain and simple. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not knocking off. I love the Edmonton Oilers. I eat, breathe, and sleep. Anybody who knows me. I eat, breathe, and sleep this hockey club 110%. I've supported since day one. I will continue to support, but it's very frustrating. And it needs, just when you think you draft your relief in Connor McDavid, oh, no, wait a sec. We're going to trade Taylor Hall and Jordan Everett. Oh, well, you know what? I'm okay with the Hall trade. And I have, I've always been okay with that. We need a defense. Adam Morrison was returned. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But the Everlay, I, I still cringe at Everlay. He's, he's a good friend of mine. I wish him well in New York. I always have been. But, man, it was tough to see number 14 go. Not only as a friend, but, of course, as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you remember that interview we did on Broadcast yes. Sports together with Jordan? Uh, you know, he, he's going to be on the Brad Avery Hour. Uh, we chatted this week, and we're going to do that in the All-Star break. And he'll be on. So, I, obviously, he's going to call in, but he will be on the show, and he's he's excited to do so. Um, now, I, I quickly, you talk about trades, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Peter Trello. I want to talk about this Eric Carlson trade just for a minute. You, we've, seen, we've seen teams, Vegas, close to trading for him. Tampa Bay was very close. Yes, and ultimately, the San Jose Sharks get him. Now, you look at the, uh, the package San Jose got. Chris Tierney, Bob Clays, Josh Norris, and 
you know, seven or eight or it felt like 25 conditional picks, but, you know, there's a few in there. So Chris Tierney is your only valuable roster piece at this point, at this point. Um, sorry, I, I want to reply to that. That is that a that that's a that's a good point, Barry. Um, we might not even have Leon Dreisaitl if those two those two are there. So that that's a very that's a very valid point. That, that's that's valid. But I would I would like to see. Hey, I, I completely agree. The only way they can yeah. afford it all, a hundred percent. But. Then after that they regressed. I wanted to see some improvement. Yeah. They regressed. I I get the logic behind the storm trade. I, I get it. I still don't. I, I, I get the logic that you want to save money, yada yada yada. But what did you do with that money? That's my point. What did you do with that money? You had the money that that in the difference of everyone. So that's why they did it. They cap a cap move. So we get Brodziak and Tobias Ruger, yet Vegas or or San Jose can fleece Ottawa and go get Eric Carlson. And now they're negotiating, I heard today, they're negotiating a max deal in eight years. Yeah, and yeah, and what still burns me is that this team, I've said before in this show, Brad, if this team didn't have so much money tied up in horrible contracts, they could have gotten gone out and gotten and brought Jeff Skinner, who the Sabres robbed kind of blind for. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, told, told Buffalo, here you go. We'll take a bag of wool and a bag of flints in here. Yeah. That was basically the end of it. Uh, I, I do want to get, though, back to, to the Carlson deal. You, now, if this was the trade that went down, the Ottawa, the Ottawa return, what in the world was Tampa Bay and Vegas offering then if that's your best offer? I have no idea. And the fact that Ottawa didn't ask for more back, or, like, how do you not get back to Thomas Hurdle? Do you like, how do you do you think Pierre Dorian was back in the corner at that point? He just pulled the trigger for the sake of pulling the trigger. Oh, probably. It's Eugene team. Remember, Eugene Melnick has his oh, got our, our, our internal cap. To me, uh, the fact that the Senators have an internal cap where they don't spend to the maximum, to me, is baffling. Why are you not doing that? Why are you not spending to you the cap the league allows? To me, that doesn't make any sense. To me, there's Doc now, Mark Stone. They want Stone and Eugene. Here for the long haul. If you're Matt, if you're Matt Duchesne, he didn't want to be a part of the Colorado rebuild. That's why he left. You're already packing your bags and selling your house. Why in the world? Hey, I love Canadian hockey. I do. But why in the world would Matt Duchesne stay in Ottawa? There is no point to it. I don't <laughs> see it. I hey, there could come a point. Mark Stone gets traded as well. Mm-hmm. That's a guy in Edmonton. I think Edmonton can target again. Money's an issue. Um, the return bond an issue as well. But Ottawa's in for hey, we dealt with it for eleven seasons. Ottawa, get ready for that, if not more, because uh, because that's some trouble. And there's there's reports that Craig Anderson no longer wants to be there. Uh, they're trying. How do you feel if you're Bobby Ryan? Uh, Trying to deal him every chance he can get. I, under, <laughs> I understand the injuries. I understand this stuff. But if you're a player playing for this organization, trying to keep your head above water, trying to stay sane, 
trying to put your best foot forward and compete for a franchise, mm-hmm. but they don't want you. If you're if you're him, you're thinking to yourself right now, I'm all by myself. Oh, oh. Don't wanna be all by myself. That's him right now. I, I can I can see Barry tapping his feet, rocking his head. That was good. But he must do right now because <laughs> the Sens will want you. Vegas will want you. Like who wants you? No one right now. You know, I feel bad for my ride. You know what? I'm gonna bring this up because I thought yeah. it, I thought it was funny. Back in 2014, I had the privilege, the honor, to exclusively interview Bobby Ryan. Uh, at, at that point, he was still a member of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he actually got traded to Ottawa that year. Uh, we we had uh, Bobby Ryan on the show, exclusive me and Dick Michaels. Um, and he mentioned, I flat out mentioned, that he does not want to play in Canada and would never play on a Canadian team. I found it ironic that you know less than two months after that gets dealt to the Alex and it was almost like Yuki Velvet or somebody was listening to the show and says, Ah, screw this guy. He's coming to Ottawa. Now now you look and he's like, No wonder I didn't want to play here. It's terrible. You know, this is a guy I, I got all respect in the world. Uh, this is a, ma- a massive talent. He's been riddled by injuries in the past few years. This guy has still got some game left. What about a team like the Detroit Red Wings? And hey. potentially Bobby Ryan goes to. It could be. Potentially the Nashville Predators. The New York Islanders, potentially. Uh, you know, just put Bobby Ryan, Ryan out of his misery and, and trade the guy for the, love of, for the love of God. Just trade him, please. Because that's not going to end well either. This is, a, this is going to be a black eye on your franchise. You've now traded Hoffman. Which turned into a very ugly situation. You traded Eric Carlson, which arguably turned into an ugly situation. Now you're going to go down the wrong hole with Bobby Ryan eventually, Matt Duchesne, and Mark Stone. This is a franchise in complete and utter ruins. We talked about this on the car ride over. They might not even be in Canada as for as long as a rebuild. That's how bad. Things are happening in Ottawa. I don't know. You're seeing fans are going to games. Even worse, the arena, the entire center, is literally in the middle of a cornfield in Canada, Ontario. Because the belief was that Canada was going to eventually grow into Ottawa, or or vice, or Ottawa grew into Canada. Didn't happen. And the downtown arena plans have stalled radically, because that was a big problem talking about having an arena built in downtown Ottawa. That has not happened. We see in Ottawa, uh, for the, um, the Red Blacks, this stadium is in downtown. Been made time of the Great Cup last year. Their stadium is right in the hard downtown Ottawa. The district there is wonderful. But hockey, the Sens play in about... The, you have to take a bus to get out to the arena there. That's how far away it is from the downtown court. Okay. That's that's falling out. And that's why I ain't going to hockey games in Ottawa, because you're 30,000 miles outside of town. Yeah. And now, and now you got Seattle and Houston... Two markets, one NHL. Uh, you know, I, I, it's pretty much a done deal. Right? I mean, Seattle gets a team. Uh, Houston, the Ottawa Senators could turn into Houston. Could, uh, Quebec City as well, too. Quebec City. I mean, stay within Canada and move them over a couple hours. That could go over well, too. I don't know. Something is happening. Eugene Melnick needs to fi- be fired or, or step down his owner because there there is something not right in Ottawa. And... 
this needs to be fixed before it becomes a complete explosion, which it's damn well close to anyway. Now, I want to talk now, moving over, because Barry's here, I, I don't know, Barry's not a football fan, he said he'll watch it, I, I want to give his opinion though, <laughs> I laugh about it, and you laugh about it, a man, okay, a growing athlete, making millions of dollars, playing for the Buffalo Bills, going by the name of Vontae Davis, a cornerback, makes a half-time ending tackle, celebrates, he had a heck of a first half, and then he gets back to the locker room and says, oh, sorry guys, I'm retiring. Didn't even tell anybody. Took his equipment off, got dressed, and walked out of the building. Right. Said, see ya. Did the Buffalo that? Bills, by the way, are 0-2. They lost 47-3 to in week one and lost by a landslide in week two again. Yeah. My God, what is the world come to? I have never, ever, ever in any sport... Whether the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, whatever it may be, see a player retire during a game. No, and right with that, I'm retired. I'm right with that, I'm retired from Brian Avery podcast. Have fun, you know. Have a blast. Peace. Michael just retired as well. Um, okay, uh, you know it's uh, why. Well, Vontae Davis walks out of his team just like Avery walked out of me. Nick Michaels is a one seat. Come on back. <laughs> we'll change it to the Brad and Vic Michaels hour. Uh, man, what do you want to do? Oh, wait a minute, back. Oh, oh. Can I breaking, finish my shows? I don't leave news. my shows halfway through. Yeah, there you go. He finishes his shows. You'll hear on CNN or Global News in the morning that Avery has since retired and stepped down as my co-host. Now, what in the world goes through somebody's mind? You retire midway through a game. Why? You know, he said he, he realized he, he put a statement out there for the NFL Twitter account how he realized he shouldn't be there anymore. He was done. <laughs> Barry, that's, uh, hey, that's a good point. But I'm, I'm, we're talking professional athletes here. Come on. Finish a game. Like, if you want to retire, like, you know what? I have no issue, you know, he says... I'm done. Week two, I'm retiring. Game's done. All right, cool. People say, all right, you know, you played ten years, had enough. But the man left at halftime, got dressed, and drove. If you want to play, dude, why don't you why don't tell us? You know what? Okay, you don't want to play. Tell the coaches. Tell me you hurt. Just tell the sidelines. Tell them I can't go for second half. No, I, I watched. Uh, I watched NFL Game Day Prime last night with Shannon Sharp and uh, Ladamian Tomlinson, of course, Deion Sanders. You, what is the phone call like to your wife? You're going home. <laughs> you phone Mrs. Davis, okay? Find a Davis' wife and say, honey, I'm coming home. He goes, she goes, excuse me? There's a game going on. I'm watching on TV. No, no, honey. I got my suit on. I'm coming home. Wait. What do you tell your family? You just walked out on 52 other brothers. On 52 guys on your other family and left. I, please. You're 0 2. 
That's why Connor McDavid landed in the Oilers. Please, for the love of God, Connor, don't leave. Don't get off mid game. We, we love you. Green. We love you. Do not leave. <laughs> but for the love of God. And we saw post game with uh, Brad Lorenzo Alexander. He said post game. I've never seen a guy do that and call it Pop Warner. It's disgraceful, he said. These are his teammates who would say that's disgraceful that he was walked out on them. And I, I don't blame them. I understand you quit on yourself. There comes an internal battle, a mental battle, whatever it may be. Sometimes you just cannot do it. You just cannot take it. There's no more football left in you. I get it. I understand it. But you walked out mid-game, and you walked out on your team. Yeah. Your respect, hey, respect, is a, takes, it takes a lot to gain and a lot to earn. But a minute to lose it, that man lost not only the respect of his teammates, but the respect of the entire league. Yeah. Because what is he going to do? If me, okay, maybe, maybe one day he said, you know what? I made a mistake. I want to come back. What team would sign him again? You're going to the AFL. I'm surprised the writers haven't added them to the negotiator list. You, like, what if what team would want him in the AFL, the CFL, the AAF, the XFL? I don't. He, the only team I am one on, I'm sure I'd want him on my team, or Barry Peterson would like to have him on his team uh, to, to recruit him. But uh, that. That's outside of that. That's that's about it. I mean, why? Why? Like, I don't. I, I'm I'm baffled. I don't. I don't no, know. like you can't even go to Europe. Like there's there's pro there's pro ball in Europe. I'm sure even I'm sure even like the pro leagues in Europe know about this now. Like, <laughs> we're gonna go. Man, man Vontae Davis, man, come on, come on. The point we're ending up with Colts. You played with the Colts for quite a while. Now you go to the Bills. Yeah, the Colts are just as bad as the Bills. Okay, all in all, the Colts are in a better year. Thank God Andrew Luck is healthy. It's been good. But come on, man. And hey, I got another thing to add too. While I was watching Game Day Prime, some keyboard warrior called out Deion Sanders on Twitter during the show and said he could tackle him. And oh, that's what it was because Shannon Sharp and Deion Sanders were practicing a. The illegal hit by Clay Matthews on Cook Cousins yesterday. Mm -hmm. They were reenacting it and said it shouldn't be a penalty, which I, I fully agree. I think Green Bay, your team, got ripped up. I 100% I, I agree with you there. They were reenacting, and the guy on Twitter goes, that is the only time that Deion Sanders has tackled anybody in his career. And Deion Sanders fires back on live television and says, ask your mama, because I just tackled her. And I was <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Deion Sanders said, what? Whoa, man. Oh. And then Deion Sanders starts, and he, like, aggressively wants the guy's Twitter handle so he can find him. And he goes, the next time I see you on the street, I'm going to tackle you. My God, Deion Sanders, easy there. Don't go break it out here. Oh, my boy. Whoo! Wow. It got fiery on game day five yesterday. Now, here's the thing. Now, Dion was unknown for his tackling. Like, admittedly, Dion was a very poor tackler, but he wasn't there. He wasn't going to make tackles. He was going to be a ball hawk when he played his career. 
But even though Dion was not known to be a tackler, I don't want him hitting me. No way. <laughs> no. No, that's prime time, man. You, you don't want to hit you. Uh, let's talk. Uh, speaking of NFL football, Barry, Barry, this is at the point Barry kind of tunes out because I don't think he really follows nor cares about the NFL. But we, we, we still love you, BP. We want you to stay. Uh, but, man, first off, what in the world is going on in Tampa Bay? Jameis who? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jameis Winston? Woo! And then, and then, wait a minute, on top of that, he falls out, and then he steals Deshaun Jackson's outfit. <laughs> and, the, and the reporter asks him, what's is yours? And he goes, only the chest hair. I thought that was the greatest post-game presser I've seen in a while. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, my, my, oh, my friend, you deserve... Something, because this man has beat the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. He put up 48 points against the New Orleans Saints. And then he goes out next week and beats the defending Super Bowl champions, putting up almost 400 yards again on him. He put over 400 yards against the New Orleans Saints. Because that defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And we know how the Eagles' defense are. And he picked them apart. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick just playing here? What in the world? Damn. I don't know, but Man. the dude's balling out right now. And here's the thing. I know people will still say that Tampa is James' team, but you may have a, you may have a, a controversy in your hands now. Do you want to take out the hot hand right now? If I'm Tampa Bay, nah. Sorry, James. Until Ryan loses, he's starter quarterback. Now, how do you feel if you're James Winston? Did you now... Do you try and trade James Winston if you're Tampa Bay? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't or or let's not pull the trigger. Too no, short. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pull him. I would not trade him. But I would right after Jameis. Well, Jameis is a bit of a he's a clown. Jameis is Jameis goofed up. Jameis, you know what? Don't croak an Uber driver in a car. You would lost your job, Jameis. You wouldn't be suspended. There's that. He's got a point. <laughs> man, it, man, yeah. We won't even go down that road, but man, uh, don't break the law. All the power to you, Ryan Fitz. Uh, Fitz, he's been been around the league for years. I remember him in New York Jets uh, uniform, and he, he, good for him. I, I'm mm-hmm. happy to see him ball out. And, you know, it's, it's but on the other end, so you have old man Fitzpatrick. I'm not, I'm not calling you old. This is a bad thing. Yeah. This is a guy that's been around a long time, but he finally is starting to maybe. Maybe age is a good thing for him. He, he seems to be getting better with age. Kind of like a fine wine. Kind of like Barry Peterson. He's getting better with age. Right? You sure about that? Yeah. Um, I know we got to ask his wife about that. I'm not sure if he gets better. Whoa! Careful now. <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> He's going to love me with that one. Um, you know, <laughs> but we look on the flip side. Patrick, Patty Mahomes. Good God Almighty, man! This guy's got ten touchdown passes in two weeks. Yeah, he is five shy of Peyton Manning. Mm. Hey, twenty-two years old. Kansas City, you got yourself a stud. It's a bad hey. man right there. Alex Smith, who? Wait a minute, Alex Smith, who? What? Where? Man, what? What a and but what a situation to come into if you're Patty Mahomes. Mm. Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Chris Connolly starting to. Yeah. He's showing. 
to come in. The only one they're not really utilizing, and I'm kind of surprised in, is Sammy Watkins. Mm. Um, I, I would have pitched him more involved, especially in the new offense. He wasn't involved uh, last year in, in the Al Smith offense. Um, so with Patty Mahomes at the helm, right. I would have figured it would be better. It, it's not, obviously. He trusts Tyreek Hill a little bit more. He even throws the ball with Kareem Hunt and trusts Chris Connolly a, a lot more. And, of course, you got that big target in Travis Kelsey. That's true. Still alive. Travis Kelsey, to me, is still the best tight end in football. If you disagree with me, I'll tackle you in the streets. If you disagree with me about Travis Kelsey being the best tight end in football. You think he's the best? Travis Kelsey, yeah. You know, Packers fan of Jimmy Graham, I think Travis Kelsey is still the best tight end in football. That's a dude who's gone out, and we've seen him before. Be it a weapon, no matter who's a quarterback, be it Mahomes, be Alex Smith. And the man's got soul. Uh, I don't know. For a white boy, Kelsey can dance. You see, and those types of youth, he has rhythm. I can dance. I'm a white boy. Not like Charles Kelsey. <laughs> Not like Kelsey. That man, he's secretly, he's secretly a black man, Charles Kelsey. He secretly is a black man. <laughs> now, wait a minute here. Wait, wait a minute. Yes. Um. There's a lot of teams that are disagreeing with me. Uh, Travis Kelsey being the no, best tight end. Yeah. But what about Kyle Rudolph? Jimmy Graham, you mentioned. Uh, Jared Cook is hitting this. Jordan Reed. Washington, if he well, he's there. one of the better ones, yeah. You know, as, there, there's a lot obviously conversations there, but uh, mm-hmm. there'd, there'd be a few teams to obviously disagree. Um you want anything you want to talk about or add in the NFL side of I want to say that Green Bay didn't lose. We tied. You know what? Better than a loss. Didn't lose. That was a game they, they could have lost, but Missile is kicking. Did them in in that game. So, hey, in the day, I'll take a tie over the loss. Yeah, 29-29 game at Lambeau. You know what I don't agree with? I'm going to go here off here in the NFL for a minute. What the hell is this tie thing? Since when did we give away participation ribbons in the NFL? Always. Since when did we tie in a football game? Always. I understand that. (laughs) Hockey, we don't tie. We go to a shootout. There needs to be a winner. Soccer, yeah, okay, whatever. There's ties. Whatever. You also play like 300 games a year. But... (laughs) You know, there's no baseball. There ain't no goddamn ties of baseball. Yes, there are. You go to extra innings. You have to you have to baseball. If you're, you can definitely play baseball. You play 18 inning games in order to try and break the tie. Why not extend overtime longer? Do one more overtime. Next point wins. A sudden death. A tie in football? Come on, man. The sport is way too physical to have an Come end Come on, man. It's way too physical. You need an end point for football. I don't. I can live with ties. I can live with it. I don't mind. The CFL is ties. Tie. AFL is ties. So if you're, ties. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're okay with a tie to the Cleveland Browns? You're not. No, but in terms of longevity, in terms of health, yeah. You can't have a, you have a week one game going six overtimes. I'm sorry. No. NFL, rest the body. I'm fine with there being a tie after 15 minutes. I don't mind that. Wow. Um, I also, and then you look at the Packers Vikings. Like, that's one of the prolific games of the week. And it ends in a tie? 
I'm spending all that money to go to a goddamn football game, and it ends in a tie. That's life. I'm spending $10 a beer, $300 on tickets, $20 to punk, whatever it may be, and you go see a tie? You got to be kidding me, man. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go gray just on this topic. You have got to be kidding me. No tie belongs in football. I am sorry. No tie belongs in football. I don't care if you're the Cleveland Browns or the Denver Broncos or whatever you are. No tie in football. A win or a loss, it's clear cut. There, as my friend Chris Gratton would say, there is no gray area. There is no participation ribbon. There is a winner and a loser. Plain and simple. Well, if you go if you go to the NFL, you have other system. You will see some crappy football in week three and week four from some tired players giving unlimited overtime. Get to these guys fresh for a 16-game season. So yes, you do need maybe fresh. maybe extend. Maybe you have a second overtime period. Maybe after you know you do fine. When you do that, fine. 15 minute overtime period. The double overtime is eight. Sure, or even 10 minutes. I don't care. Sure. But make it double. Why, man? What's the fun in the tie? Oh, how'd your team do this week? Oh, we tied. If you're what? Bad, if you're battling for a playoff spot, and you know what? And certain certain cases, though, teams have been saved from a tie. It saved some teams before in the playoffs. What, what would you do? Listen, you're at the Super Bowl in Miami 2020. The Cleveland Browns versus the Green Bay Packers. In the Super Bowl. Well, hang on, Brad. Listen, listen. The Green Bay Packers, Cleveland Browns, tied at 31 after overtime. Game ends. Oh, we got to do another game. What? <laughs> the the world is going on. The playoffs. No. The playoffs don't have time. No. You know that. The playoffs don't have time. Why do regular season have time? Because we don't need a winner. What are those games? Unlimited, but you need at least a double OT. At least. Well, after that, then there'll still be a tie. But you do agree with tie to an extent. No, because yes, you do. It gives you eight to ten more. Oh, if no one scores, then guess what? No one scores, then we're still tied, Brad. If nobody scores in twenty-five minutes of overtime, the CFL. You got we a have problem. Overtime games in the CFL, where they had no oh. scores in double overtime, where they scored and they're still tied. CFL. There have been tie games and they have overtime. And they have more ways to score. Listen, listen. Hello, Jerry Springer. We we need Jerry Jerry over here. We need to we need to you know break this overtime debate. My my goodness. Why? Over I'm gonna make a poll on Twitter and we'll that it's going down tonight. 
You follow me on Twitter, broadcasting Brad or the Brad Avery Ocean of both to overtimes in the NFL. Do they belong? Yes or no? Please vote. We're gonna move on. We're gonna end this show with a couple different, uh, couple different. To- oh, quickly, I just about forgot. Shout out Grand Villa Casino. Yes. Shout out to um, Yoga Life, where, by the way, update: we will be doing a live show next Sunday or. Two Sundays from now. September 30th. September 30th. Two Sundays from now. We are live on location at Yoga Life. Come say hi to us. Uh, we'll have more details for you on that next week. Also, update for the those guys listening. We are moving next week for one week only. As of right now, one week only. A very special location. Howie's in West Edmonton Mall here in Edmonton. We uh, they're they're opening their place up for us, uh, a private studio for us there. They're gonna showcase. Uh, we'll be doing a live show there next Monday, same time, same place, and then of course back here the following week at Grand Villa Casino. Now, as we wrap up for you boxing fans, I promised I would touch on this. We are going to talk about Triple G. Versus Canelo, Saturday night number two, by the way. Mm-hmm. First one ended again in a goddamn tie, uh, which we it talked happens about. Sometimes I don't like ties. I don't look. What? It doesn't happen in life. What? What happens, Kay? There's a there's a tie in my relationship, so it doesn't work, man. Either my life. Either my wife wins a debate or my wife wins a debate. I don't win. So it's not, it's not a tie. There is no ties. There's, and there's a tie in boxing. Canelo, I mean, Barry can talk to that one just like him. He probably doesn't win debates either, right, Barry? Or maybe you do. I don't know. Could be 60-40, I, I don't know. I barely win a debate. So I just yes to your and move on. Because <laughs> that's I know what's best for me. Now... <laughs> Now, Canelo and Triple G uh, ended to draw the first fight. Second fight, Carnelo is now the new champion, beating Triple G, beating his prodigy, beating in the division in the middleweight division. Uh, what a fight. What a fight. 12 rounds. These guys are animals. I have all respect for boxers. Um, my goodness. 12 rounds, four minutes around. Uh, there's going to be a third fight. I can promise you that. Um, I think it's already talked about to be in May in Vegas. Uh, quick turnaround. They're going to fight in May. As of what I heard, it could change, obviously. Um, they, their first fight changed. Uh, they scheduled for one, and then they moved it to a year later. Now, what, what are your thoughts uh, on this fight? Now, I was watching. I saw a bit of the fights, and people were saying, oh, Triple G got robbed. He got robbed. You know what, Gokovin? Great fight. Great knockout that power. Fantastic. But yeah. I was watching. He backed up a lot. And Canelo was the aggressor in this fight. In a championship fight, if you're the aggressor, as a challenger, you have to be the aggressor. The challenger cannot back up. You saw Canelo coming towards Golkovin. And you saw him getting it done. Getting, up, getting those punches in on, on, um, on Golkovin. He cut him in the fight. He cut him early. He, he cut, cut him early. He cut him yes. early in that fight. Very much so. so. You know, Canelo, applaud. You know what? Big up to him. He did what he had to do to get that win. And yeah, I was rooting for Canelo. I, I, I'm a big Canelo fan. I, I, I have all the respect in the world for Triple G because of what he's done. 
This is his first loss in his career, yeah. um, in his professional career. So it's, that just shows you by itself um, how good he is. Um, he, he was clearly devastated after the fight. Didn't speak to the media. Um, straight back to the room. Clearly devastated all over his face uh, in tears. Uh, a major, major upset. Congrats to Carnello. Big win for him. This boosts his career in a major, major way. And uh, next up, I think I think they fight for the third time in their career. And then I think it's on a bigger and better thing for Canelo. Because I think Triple G is going to hang him up here uh, relatively soon. He's 30, 38 years old. Or he's getting up there. And that's all for the fighter. And as, as we move forward, and, and Barry says he wins 0% of his arguments. So there goes my yeah. point. There is no ties ever. He said, he, he said he loses. Football. He doesn't tie. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said there is no tie. No, he said he could loses. tie just touching the base. I, no, I, <laughs> I think it's built in us and it's built in women that women are just better at debating than we are. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I want to bring up one last thing because I, I, I am and I will be attending uh, my my friend. Um, I am honored to call him a friend. I am privileged to call him a friend. Mr. Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Money Mayweather, I'm a proud represent, re- representation of the money team, 50-0, Floyd Mayweather, coming out of retirement to fight Manny Pacquiao in Vegas in early December. And uh, Mayweather is about to go 51-0. We know how the first fight ended. How do you think this one ends? 50-1. But from an unbiased standpoint, this fight should have happened in 2007 or 2008. We waited for the first fight in what, 2015? Uh, yeah, way, so late way, way too long for that first fight to happen. We saw Pacquiao from Cruz Retina come from that fight. That's which right. Was convincingly. This is a fight where this, this should have happened years ago. And you know, you know, Brad, you know it's going to be on TV, on peer view. We're going to charge like five grand to watch. And I'm not, gonna, not quite, not quite. Like you, know what you, know, you know what I'm going to watch this fight, Brad? I'm going to watch either on a stream online or on Periscope. Because I'm not paying money for this. Why? Why? Well, listen, listen. Outside of Muhammad Ali, outside of Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather is, and you can debate many, these are two... Legends going toe to toe, two future Hall of Famers toe to toe one last time. Floyd Mayweather is arguably the best pound for pound fighter right now in all of boxing. What what's best? Is best if you're the best? Why is he not fighting GGG? Why is he not fighting Gennady Golovkin? Uh, he uh, he did. He fought and he won. Floyd. He, they, they fought back and Google it. You'll, you'll Google it. Uh, he did fight one of the two and convincingly won. It, was, it, it, it wasn't Canelli, even. That's right. Yeah, Canelli. That's right. So that just goes to show you that Floyd, to me. I want to fight GGG. Watching. To me, I paid money to watch that as well. Triple G and Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd Mayweather. He's cocky, yes, but he backs it up in the ring. He's a very strategic fighter. 
He picks his spots. He picks his time. He's like a king cobra. He strikes at the opportune time and beats his opponent. And I, I gave kudos, and I, I still give kudos, to Conor McGregor for stepping in the ring. He put McGregor on the map. He basically he can retire whenever he wants. I think he gets beat by Habib October 6th in Vegas. That's my prediction, Conor McGregor against Habib in Vegas. I believe uh, McGregor loses. But Floyd Mayweather, I believe, beats Manny Pacquiao. He knocks him out. I'll give him a 10th round knockout. And he goes 51-0. Both fighters retire for good and call it done. This is basically Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. They're coming back to fight. Legend versus legend in the UFC. The Undertaker versus Triple H. One more time. Legend versus legend in WWE. And in boxing, Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. Legend versus legend. One last time. Folks, save your money. Be like me. Watch on Periscope. Watch on a, on a, on a, on a legal stream. Or, or Don't be, spend money on this. Or, or be like me. <laughs> come, come down to Vegas. Support the boys. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Um, I, I'm so excited to be so honored to be able to to do this. Um, thank you again so much. Again, thank you fans for tuning in. Episode 20. Next week we arrive at Howie's in West Edmonton Mall. And it's episode 21, which means we are officially legal everywhere in the <laughs> world. Which means Brad and Avery are going to Vegas to celebrate. No kidding. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Next week, tune in. Be there. Uh, for Avery Lewis McDougall. Again, huge thanks to Ben Williams, uh, future Olympian, for joining us in studio. That was incredible. I'm Brad Barco. Until next week, good night. We'll see you then. Later.